Hello and welcome to the Embodied Experience podcast. My name is Tamara Northam and I'm going to be speaking with pioneers of the present who not only have a strong message, but who truly embody their message. So drop in, have a listen, open your ears and your heart and take it all in while our incredible guests and I take you through topics that will leave you crying, laughing, feeling triggered and everything in between. To the Embodied Experience podcast. I'm your host, Tamara Northam, and today I've got a very incredible woman joining me today, the beautiful Miss Jodie Reeves. Thanks so much for joining me today, Jodie. Oh, thank you. Even you just saying that made me go all goosey. The incredible. <laughs> Don't you love it? So, no, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Um, so Jodie and I have known each other for a few years now. I am actually used to dance with Jodie's daughter. Um, so we go back quite a long time, probably, well, five or six years. I'm thinking that. I think it would be... Probably a bit longer. Yeah, probably maybe like eight or nine years. I know. Yeah. Wow, long time. So yes. not only has Jody seen me go through my ups and downs, growing into adulthood, becoming the woman that I am today, but I've also been able to learn a lot from you. And um, you're just you're an incredible leader without even being super present and active within the dance community where where I was with your daughter, you still had such a huge impact on me and everyone that danced with us as well. And now as an adult, um, I, you're someone that I really look up to and you really inspire me. So um, thank you firstly for all of that. And it's really a pleasure to have you on here. So Jodie is a connection coach, a wife, a mother of four, and recently an author as well. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, Jodie, would you like to give us the glass of wine version of who you are? And we'll go into the bottle a little bit later. Sure will. So thank you so much for all that. It's so exciting seeing Tamara now because I have seen her grow so, so much. So, um, and the transformation and the continued growth is just something that she should be really, really proud of. And, and it's been an absolute pleasure to watch it. And, and hearing her speak like that, it's like, oh, there's a little bit of an advantage to being older then, you know, <laughs> you to, to fill this role. And that's, it, it was, it almost brought tears to my eyes to hear that from you. Because, <laughs> thank you. I mean, all I do and all I do in everything I do is turn up as I am. And, um, and I think there's a lesson in that as well. So, Okay, what's the, what's the glass version of me? Um, as you said, you know, I'm, I'm a wife, a mother, a, a pretty normal person, but I've always been someone who delves a little bit deeper into what's going on and has felt there's more than what we originally see. So, so that's probably led me on my journey. Um, I've always been the person that someone comes to when something goes wrong, you know, when they're feeling a bit down, when they're not sure what to do. And that's been since a teenager. So, so that really has just grown into something bigger and more as I've gotten older. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the time I look at a lot of you um, who are coming through now and you just have such energy and so much to share. And I think, oh my goodness, you know, I, I'm getting left behind. <laughs> it's, um, you know, we all need each other. We can all learn from each other. And I love that. And I love that the generations are doing that now and they're really appreciating what the other generation can bring to the table. I think that's fabulous. So what am I passionate about? I am passionate about helping people realize that they're perfect exactly as they are. Mm 
That's the only perfect that matters is that you're perfectly you now. And that can be a perfect red hot mess um, or that can be where everything feels like it's perfectly aligned. I love that. I love holding space for people when life's not going to plan. Um, you know, just holding that space without judgment for them. I also love balance, um, which is an interesting one because Tamara sometimes doesn't like the word balance. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that one. That's an interesting topic that we can unpack that a little bit. We can. So I love that. But my biggest passion really is about self-connection, connection to self. I believe until we know who we are, it's very difficult to live the life that we came here to live. It's very difficult to be on purpose. So often we look for our purpose before we look for the connection to self. And self comes first. So they're, they're, my, they're my big things, I suppose. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, now, you mentioned that since you were a teenager, people have been coming to you as sort of a, a guide for them. Would you say that there were any particular events in your life that have shaped you into, that have really pushed you into the deep end to, uh, of the self-development world that we, that we call it? Absolutely. Wow. Okay. And if I go back to sort of being a teenager, yeah, there, there definitely were. I, th I, I think life just shapes us, you know, life itself shapes us. So, um, you know, as I look back more recently, um, well, more recently, it's a long time ago for a lot of you, but um, about 16 years ago, my husband and I lost everything. Um, we were doing relatively well, had, you know, overseas holidays and beautiful homes and investments and that sort of thing. And, and we lost every single cent. And I don't mean we just didn't have an income coming in. Um, it got to the point where at the time I had three children and I, you know, went to check very nervously how much money was on the one last credit card that wasn't overdrawn and there was $13.56. And I remember turning around to him and going, yes, we can buy bread and milk. Like that's, that's what it felt like. Um, I also remember waking up the next day and going, oh, fuck, now that money's gone. What are we going to do? There, there was literally nothing. We did always have a roof over our head, but there was a lot of emotion in that. There was a lot of self-reflection. Um, there was certainly a lot of learning. And that's been one of the biggest pivotal points, I suppose, in my life yeah. um, was that moment. There's certainly been a lot of others as a child. Um, my father was an alcoholic and he did the absolute best he could and he's still around doing a great job. But that definitely affects the way you view the world and the way you show up. Yeah. Um, I was sexually abused by a school principal for about four years when I was in junior school. Absolutely shapes you, you know, these things. But I look at them now as just ways, that's why I don't have judgment because those sorts of things have gone on and I just know I'm still an all right person at the end of the day, that it doesn't have to affect who I am not saying it didn't at times, yeah. but that it, it doesn't have to affect who I am. So there's been, there's, you know, I'm 49 years old. There's been lots of turning points, lots of pivotal moments um, in there. And, um, and I think the more we reflect, the more we realise there are. And sometimes that's just everyday life as well. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing to note as well for anyone that's listening. I know I can speak from personal experience and a lot of other um, guests that I've had the pleasure of interviewing is that really there, you know, life is going to life. Life's always going to throw challenges at you. 
the when you experience things that you don't know how you're going to buy food the next day or you don't know if you're going to have a roof over your head, it's in those moments that you're really creative because they, um, there's this old saying that I love to use and it's the magnitude of your breakdown is the altitude of your breakthrough. So, right. yeah. so we get to really um, honour those really dark, deep times of our lives where we don't know the answers, where we have no certainty, where we're not sure where our next meal is going to come from or where, our, where we're going to sleep that night. And it's, yeah, it's in those times that you just keep pushing through and keep doing the work and you keep showing up for yourself that you come out the other end so much stronger. You know, those, those cliche old quotes of like, oh, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. It's so true. It's so it, true. It is true. And it doesn't mean we want to re-experience them, but you do get to a point where you're kind of grateful for them, where you go, okay, that has got me where I am. I think the other really important thing to recognise when we're going through these times, and I don't care how much you've got all your shit together, how well-developed you are, how spiritual you are, how evolved you are, crap can happen in life. It still just does. And that doesn't mean you're any less a person than anybody else. Yeah. And that's what we need you know, to be not prepared for as in waiting for it to happen, but we do need to know there will be roadblocks along the way. There will be mountains we've got to climb. Yeah. There will be things that feel like pitfalls. And I think an important part of that as well is learning how to feel, learning to not be afraid of your emotions. I, for many, many years, thought crying meant I was weak, so you buried that. I thought if I got angry, they were going to think I'm an angry person and I didn't want anyone to think that I was an angry person, so I'd bury that. And whatever you bury, ultimately, the universe just attracts more of those experiences to try and get you to feel that feeling. And so you have to, you, you don't always, action is important, but so often you feel your way out of a crisis. You've got to let the emotion be felt. That's what it's there for. And emotion is designed to be felt and flow and move through you. It won't last forever. No emotion, even happiness, joy, but sadness, devastation, all those things will not last forever but you've got to let yourself feel it. And I had an example of this a little while ago. Um, I have four children, as Tamara said. The eldest are twins and they're 20. And um, probably oh, about March this year, I'm guessing it was, that sort of time, um, my daughter was living here with us. All the kids were still at home and her boyfriend lived in Townsville. And she was really missing him. So my husband bought her a flight up there for the weekend, just to go up Friday night, come back Sunday night. Long story short, because I don't want to get into it, but in the end, she never came home. She decided that's where she was going to stay. And I just got a phone call from the airline saying, where is she? There's no person turned up for this flight. And I went into anger to start with. I was pissed off, don't get me wrong. And then once I eventually spoke to her and knew she was alive, not dead, um, that sort of, you know, allowed me to feel some more real emotions. But... In that night, I lay on my bed and I cried the ugly cry for hours. I was in the fetal position. My 20-year-old son was sitting there just tapping me on the back going, it's all right, mum, it's all right. And I just, it nearly makes me cry now, I just cried and cried and yelled and beat the pillow and did everything I could do. It felt awful. So I'm not going to say feeling the emotion feels good. It felt awful mm -hmm. 
But you know what? I woke up the next morning with an entirely different view of this. The anger had gone, the sadness. I, I was a little bit sad. My baby had left home. Um, but that desperation, that being so totally offended, all of that was gone. And I look at that now and she made the best decision in that moment because we were too connected. For her to have planned to move out and do all of that that way, it never actually would have happened. Yeah. And in my loving way, I probably would have tried to prevent it. And so it would have caused conflict and all those sorts of things. So she gave me an absolute gift by doing that, but I didn't know the gift till I felt the emotion. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so important as well that you acknowledge that you've got to feel those emotions, whether it's going to be pleasant or not. Um, there's yes. one little thing that I say to my clients is that you can't move through emotions unless you're willing to face it, feel it, and then free it. So if you're not willing to do those three things, it just lives within your body. So doing those things like punching a pillow, screaming, yelling, you're actually, you're releasing energy from your body. And if you're not releasing that energy, energy doesn't, you can't create it or destroy it. It just transforms. And yeah. if you're staying within your body, what's it going to transform into? If it's negative emotion, if it's pain, if it's anger, if it's sadness, then what's it going to transform into? What is that going to cost you? How is that going to be a detriment to you? if you don't release it as you yeah and we're so scared of the feeling of it and and even when this was described to me quite often it was almost described they forgot to say the bit about it's going to feel really awful it was like feel the emotion and you'll feel so good after it yeah. but it actually feels in that moment i mean that was the worst i've ever felt laying on the bed doing all of those sorts of things but it felt real it felt necessary but it felt awful <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but you so you need to go through that, otherwise, you've got that awful stuck in you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, how do you feel? Because obviously, this is a very um, this topic, particular, I feel within your generation. If I was to speak to 95% of your generation, they would say, Oh, no, we don't cry, or no, we don't get angry, that's impolite, and and these all these like social pressures of how we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to deal with our emotions. How do you find that dealing with different generations and different paradigms around how we're supposed to feel? Emotionally? Yeah, it's definitely um, a bigger issue in certain generations, as you've said. And, and I think the older the generation, the more stoic they, they were taught to be because they went through some pretty hard times. You know, life was tough back then. And, and if you cried at every spilt cup of milk, you you know, you wouldn't have really got on. So um, there's certainly, and I think that's what we have to honour. There is a re, you know, we look at it, oh, they've just got it. Well, there's a reason they're not feeling it. What, what is it? Where is that coming from? So, it, so we've got to honour that as well. It's also very masculine and feminine. It then became all right for the feminine to feel, but not all right for the masculine. And both of us feel emotions. Yeah. Both of us store them in the same way. I hate to tell the men out there that they're no different. Yeah but they're not. Um, so I think it is, it's about being gentle with it though and not, not making it sound um, that it's just something they should know how to do yeah. because they've never been taught or allowed to do it. Yeah. So you do have to start small. And this is why I love connection to self because the more connected you are with self, the more aware you are of your emotions, which is the first step. And then the more that you're allowed, you know, that you're able to allow those to flow. I think it's also really important because then what tended to happen as well was we then gave ourselves permission to feel emotion, but only behind closed doors. 
And how often do you hear a parent saying, I'm staying strong for my child. I don't want them to see me cry. See, I call BS on that. Let your children see you cry and be all right after it. Let your children see you get angry sometimes and be all right after it. So we as the we, you, as the younger, I still have children, so I still pull myself <laughs> We have a real responsibility. My youngest child is 11, and um, she, she lives with very severe anxiety. And her seeing me emotional is an enormous trigger for her, but I don't hide that from her. It's yeah. like, I want her to know it's all right to feel. So I think we've got to go gently. I think we've got to understand why people find it very difficult. Um, and rather than tell, you know, be examples of it. Be examples that, see, I can feel this and I come out the other side. I had an issue um, a couple of weeks ago with, with my book. Um, it's actually due to arrive in Australia at the end of this week. And there was... It was meant to be here four weeks ago. And there was an issue with it. Anyway, when I was speaking to my publisher, you know, on that phone call, which was a professional phone call, I was angry and I was sad and I was, there was a bit of, you know, there was all this sort of emotion going through, but I allowed every emotion to come out and they know me well enough. In the past, I would have thought if I'm angry, they're going to think I'm angry. If I'm sad, they're going to think I'm weak and can't handle it. If I sounded all judgmental, they're going to think I'm blaming them. Whereas because I'm connected enough to self now and no, I'm not an angry person. No, I'm not a miserable person. No, I'm not a judgmental person. I can feel my emotion easier and not be so concerned what other people will think. Yes, I love that. Does that make sense? I'm so easily like censor ourselves because what will they think what will they say I don't want them to perceive me in the wrong way but if you're certain enough in yourself if you've got enough certainty in knowing who you are then it doesn't matter what other people think like I've been posting on social media lately a little bit of sort of controversial stuff and some people are going to love me for it and some people are going to hate me for it but it's not going to affect how I feel about me because I know who I am when I go to bed at the end of the day yeah. And that doesn't mean every now and then we don't need to check in and go, okay, was that, was, was my intention relayed in my communication? Um, maybe I could have said that a different way. You know, you don't, it doesn't mean you don't check in and you're not, you know, socially aware or any of those sorts of things, but it means it doesn't shatter who you think you are. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of mentors that I have, um, I went to a workshop about 12 months ago and one of the biggest things that I took away from them is, you know, we get rid of these polarising words like good and bad and happy and sad and um, right and wrong, but what do we use in replacement of it? And one thing that they suggested was using the words effective and ineffective. So that's one way that you can check in with yourself. Okay, is feeling this emotion right now going to be effective for me and those around me or is it going to be ineffective if it's going to be effective great you change your strategy you change what you're going to do but if it's going to be effective and the only thing holding you back is a fear of what will they think what will they say then um yeah you get to lean into that discomfort and that that's the power in words isn't it just changing those words i use when i'm working with people because it does mean they're going to feel some emotions that they don't want to feel those those traditionally labeled negative emotions sadness anger judgment those sorts of things so we we call them desired and undesired we still have undesired emotions it doesn't mean we can't feel them it doesn't mean we're a bad person if we do but you know none of us want to feel sad or angry or they are undesired but they're no less valuable exactly Um, exactly yeah and i think a lot of the judgment comes from 
you know, as we were discussing earlier before we press record, the, the labels like good and bad, because most of us have been brought up thinking that we want to avoid bad things and we want to have more good things. So when we have bad things happen in our life, quote unquote bad things, yeah. we judge ourselves for it. So if we're feeling quote unquote bad emotions, we judge ourselves for it. Or when we're doing a quote unquote bad thing or the wrong thing by whose standards we then and that's the thing that's where the judgment begins who first judged it as bad <laughs> yeah. so not only are we judging the thing now but who's judged who judged it firstly as being good or bad you yeah. know that it wasn't you yeah <laughs> probably someone else who's yeah. told you that yeah and um and i think if we're strongly connected to self and if we're we're well balanced for love of the word um you know and and we are good people. Like 99.999% of the population are not psychopaths. They're not, you know, they are good people. Yeah. And if we can get back to that and trust that, it allows us to be so much more authentic. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that good people don't do quote unquote bad things and bad people don't do quote unquote good things. But yeah, we release that judgment. We're all just love babies. There's no good and evil babies. No. They're all just love. And then we have this social conditioning or we, we figure out ways that we're going to get connection, that we're going to get significance, that we're yeah. going to get... Um, Acknowledgement, be seen, yeah. be heard. Yeah. All of these things, we find different ways growing up based on our environment um, that teaches us, okay, if I want to be significant, I need to be naughty in class. That's yeah. going to get significance. At the end of the day, for me, that's still that's still effective because it's getting... Yeah. You notice. Exactly. Um, and, but then because of the labels that we add, it creates judgment. So I love that piece because it, it helps you become a lot more um, empathetic to everyone around you and everyone that you see. You, you no longer see people as good or bad or right or wrong because you see that everyone is just doing what they have learned they need to do to get those things that they need. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, humans, we thrive for connection. We thrive on connection. We desire connection. We thrive on or desire love. We want to be seen and we want to be heard. Like, they're, they're four key components that we all share. And what, what we, you know, like you were saying then, as a child, we work out, well, I'm seen if I do this and I'm not heard if I do that and, and I'll be loved if I do this and I won't be loved if I do that and all that sort of thing. But then as an adult, we continue those through and we forget that the one person we actually want to be seen and heard by is ourselves. And we seek that through other people. So we seek that externally all the time. We've got to see and hear ourselves first. We've got to love ourselves first. And you can't love who you don't know. Yeah. So you've got to know yourself first. So we, we sort of, it's all these layers and we work on these layers and we forget to get down to this one, which the first one is knowing who you are, connecting with who you are. And like any relationship, that requires work. It requires constant work. You don't get to know someone and then remain their best friend if you never, ever contact them again doesn't happen yeah i think um that's really powerful to acknowledge as well because everything that you do in your life whether it be your career your relationships you have children um you have these goals and desires you have these um these things that you want to achieve in your life everything is just an extension of you so if you if you haven't got 
the foundation right, how can you expect the building to be stable and be able to build it to 50 storeys high if the foundation is rocky or you have no idea what it's made out of? But how often do we say, I'll work on that, I'll work on the foundation when I've made the money? Yeah. When I've got the relationship I want? When this is fixed, when I've paid off my house, when I've then I'll work on this. So what you're building never feel you know you're seeking fulfillment ultimately out of whatever it is. It never feels fulfilling because you don't have the foundation. Yeah. So you're then constantly going, yeah, well I'll do it when this feels better, but it's never going to feel better till you go and actually work on the foundation. So you build a house, there's a huge amount of money that goes into the ground that you will never ever see. But without it, you better hope the wind doesn't blow because your house isn't going to last long. Yeah. Um, it's a very similar thing. Yeah. And this is the whole basis of the book that you've recently just written, Knowing Yourself. Um, yeah. What was, the, what was the inspiration behind writing that? You mentioned that you had a conversation with your son, Mitchell. Yeah, so it all came about. So I'd, I'd been um, working with women and, and I know Tamara introduced me as an intuitive coach or intuitive mentor. And, I hate labels. I find them hard to live up to and, and tomorrow I might be something different and it just sort of, you know, so even to say that sort of it goes, oh, is that really what I am at the moment? Does that feel right? Um, I've been working at that stage with women, let's just say, you know, um, working through their issues and that sort of thing with them for quite some time. And I was in my bedroom one day and I was walking out and my son walked in, he was 14 at the time, and he just sort of stopped me and he said, Mum, what's your favourite colour? And I went, oh, I don't know, Mitch. And he said, what's your favourite meal? And I went, oh, I don't know. And then he said, Mum, what's your favourite TV show? And I said, look, Mitch, I don't know. And in my head I'm thinking, oh, God, Mitch, I don't really care. And he just looked me in the eye at 14 and he said, well, Mum, until you work out who you are, you're no good to anybody else. Boom. And I went, okay, literally, okay. And I stood there and I knew, I knew he'd nailed the, you know, hit the nail on the head. I didn't like it, but I knew he had. And um, I thought, okay, I've now, I now know the problem, but I don't know the answer. So what do I do now? And, and I'm a big one for questions. A lot of my work is around questions. I actually think, you know, a lot of us are seeking answers and we want the right answer and the powerful answer and that sort of thing. Well, I think you've got to ask the right question to get the right answer. You've got to ask the powerful questions to get, to get the powerful answers. So I sat and did what I did best at the time and that was journal because I just, and, and it was literally like, well, I now know the problem, but I don't know the answer. And it was just what's the, you know, and, and I think there was about two or three pages of just, gobbledygook of I don't know what is this what do I do yeah. and then all of a sudden these questions yeah. sorry just like um exploring yeah. where you could possibly go to find the answer yeah and and creating that link you know sometimes just by saying I don't know what to say you know when I pick up a journal sometimes I go I don't know what to write I don't know what to write I don't know what to and I'll just write that and it's creating that link then towards what you do need to write and what you do need to hear um, but I sat down and, and I did that and then these questions started coming through. And, and I sat, um, it took about 30 minutes, I think, from memory. And then I looked back on it and it was 100 questions exactly. And it was, and what I was guided to do was sit with each one, each question, once a day, ask myself the question and sit with my answer. And that nothing else mattered other than what I thought. Um, and, you know, this five minutes I spent was just about me and that question. So I actually did that. And the change I noticed was 
incredible. And so um, it was the first time probably I'd really sat with these things and go, well, okay, what's mine? I mean, if you asked what, if my, what my favorite meal was, I knew what all my children's meals, favorite meals were. I knew what my husband's favorite meal was. I even knew what their favorite color was, but I was really afraid of getting the answer wrong if I was asked what mine was and those sorts of things. So I really had to do some work on that. And, and what I learned happens is that you know, as we get old, well, even that happens as a child, we try to please our parents, please our teachers, then we try to please our friends and then our partners and then our children and then our bosses and then our businesses and, and this sort of thing. And we become more connected to those sorts of external people and pursuits than we are to ourselves. And that literally builds a neural pathway so that when you're asked a question, your brain can't process all of the information. Most people would be aware of this sort of stuff. So it goes down the most common path. And I say in the book, you know, my neural pathway to what, say, my children wanted was like a three-line lane highway with, you know, lit up the whole way. My neural pathway to what I wanted was like a back street in a country town that hadn't been driven on for three years. You know, it was there, but you couldn't really find it. So that became, it was like, wow, this is really making a difference. I'm starting to stand more confidently, to know what I want, to be able to really understand what my purpose is, all these sorts of things that I thought they were the answers I was seeking. They were coming automatically as I just got to know me. The questions build, so they start with something as simple as, you know, what's your favourite colour? Well, it's simple. I don't know the answer. Um, And then they, you know, they eventually get into things like what makes you feel helpless? What's important to you? You know, um, why do you think you're here at this time and place? I mean, that's down to question sort of 97. So if you ask someone that to start with, they're either going to make up an answer that they think they want to hear or you want to hear, or they're just not going to know the answer. So you've got to start. It's very much a built process, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, you can't graduate grade seven if you never did grade one. Absolutely. And, and I really wanted something that people could do from the base. Like, okay, I think I know who I am, but let me see. Um, and really explore who they are and, and build those neural pathways back to you. So that now if we're standing here, for example, and we're standing around as a family and we go, okay, where do you want to go for dinner? I can immediately have an answer. Well, I'd like to go to that Mexican place that has the, you know, the um, vegetarian lasagna, vegetarian nachos that I really, really like. Doesn't mean we'll go there. I might get outvoted, but I have an opinion and it's it's true to me. Yeah. Whereas, you know, back before I did this, I would have gone, oh, well, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Oh, I think you'll probably... It's an empowering way to live as well when you're constantly unsure of yourself. And like um, we mentioned earlier when we before we press recording on here, a big thing that I go through with my clients is asking powerfully for what they want. But it's so true. If you don't actually know who you are, how can you ask for what you want? How can you say, hey, this is how I want you to treat me because this is my love language and say really that clearly if you don't know what your love language is? Or how can you say, I want to go to this restaurant if you don't know what you, what food you like? Or I want to watch this movie if you don't actually know what sort of movies you enjoy watching? Definitely. Yeah. It, it's, and we don't realise how much that influences our every day. And, you know, so often we've got off track as to who we are with the best of intentions. Because as I said, we want to be the best mother. We want to be the best wife or husband or partner or daughter or son or whatever it is. Even as we start, you know, delving into personal development, we want to be the best student. We want to learn the most. And we can connect even too much to that journey if we our anchor needs to be in here. Yeah. This is where our anchor is. You don't search for your anchor out there. Yeah. 
you know, you search for fulfillment out there, you might search for adventure out there, you might search for greater purpose and all those sorts of things, but your anchor is in here. Yeah. And so often we're not anchored to who that is. We've literally forgotten. And so many people I talk to about this go, oh my goodness, I just didn't realize that. They feel unseen, they feel unheard, they feel like, you know, they should be happier with their life than they are. They're, you know, they feel like they, you know, their partner loves them, but they're just not fulfilled in that or whatever it might be. It comes out in all different ways. Um, but um, it really, there is this one key thing. Do you truly know who you are? Well, I'm really excited for your book to come out. When is the book launch? It's coming up soon, isn't it? So, yeah, so the actual book launch is here on the Sunshine Coast on Sunday. So that's the 1st of December. I'm not sure what date this goes out. So that was the 1st of December. Um, and the book is available now for pre-sale. Um, so it is available right now for $19.99 instead of $22.99. The, the really exciting thing, anyone who purchases a book in pre-sale, so that actually finishes on Sunday, the 1st of December. But anyone who purchases the book in pre-sale actually gets a free place. We're going to run the Get to Know You program in a closed Facebook group from the 1st of January, so that you're starting 2020. So that's going to be 101 days, each question going live each day. I'll be in there helping people, delving a bit deeper if they need to. And that's actually free with um, anyone who purchases that's the book. amazing. This yeah for everyone who's listening will be out after that date however give me the details of that and I'll definitely share some stuff yeah because they'll still be able to get into that group if they choose to there'll just be a fee for it so yeah. great yeah. awesome and where can people go to purchase your book so it is jodie-reeves.com um www obviously I'll put that um, in the show notes as well so yeah you need so one listening on my website you can purchase that um and yeah it will be here being posted out next week so exciting congratulations it is exciting so and it's it's exciting because this has been a long-held dream of mine i first dreamed of being a speaker and also when i was 17 now i think i've already revealed i'm 49 now that's a long time like you guys are chasing your dreams so much earlier than, than i ever ever dared to which i spoke to a friend who's very successful the other day um about like internationally known and that sort of thing and he was like joe's it's not, you didn't leave it too late, it's just now is your time. And, yeah. and I think that's what's really important for people to hear as well is that everyone, things happen in the right time. Yeah. And I needed to do, like this is a big calling of mine. I needed to experience certain things to get to here. I had other things to do. So it's just now is the time for this. Um, you're not early, you are right on time. It, and, and that anyone watching, no matter how old you are, it's, nev it's never too early and it's never too late. Like. When you know, when that calling is there, you will know. But I, I knew this when I was 17 and I remember the day, you know, walking to the, to the um, career advisor's office for, for the meeting I was going to have, the one meeting where they design your life and tell you what you're going to do forever. And, um, and I just went, yeah, now I'm going to get, tell, get to tell someone I want to be an author and a writer. And I immediately shut that down. I immediately swore myself to secrecy. Don't you ever tell anyone that. And um, it's taken quite a while to let that little voice out. Yeah, well, I'm glad you've gotten to where you are now because you've got some <laughs> powerful messages that you're going to be sharing with people and some lots of lives that you have already changed and that you'll continue to change. Yeah. Before we wrap um, this up in about five yep. minutes, I'd like to touch on balance. Let's have yes. a conversation about that. So, <laughs> 
Um, if anyone watches any of my um, videos or posts or any of my content, so I'm very anti-balance. Not because I don't believe that we should strive for balance because in everything that I do, that's actually what I'm striving for. However, the word balance has developed a... We've developed this idea along with the word balance that that means nailing all things at once and doing all the things at the same time. And that is not what I'm about. So I'd love for you to share your little philosophy on that and then I'll share mine and we'll see if they are um, actually more yeah than we could have um would have thought previously so so as i said when we we're chatting about this before i believe we all have something called a soul's dictionary so i believe there's a webster's dictionary meaning of a word but then there is the way that our soul interprets a word so it's not even really our brain doing it because our brain can tell us a word means something else but a word can literally trigger something within us so i might have a soul's definition of balance which is very different to your definition so we've sometimes really got to be aware of that and, and honour that in each other, that it's all right that a certain word doesn't gel with each of us. I do talk quite a lot about balance um, with, with the, the people that I work with, but I talk about it in this way. Most things are two sides of one coin. Now, sometimes I talk, talk about things like there might be spirit, human, emotional and mental, so there's more than one thing, but, or more than two things, but for the sake of this, I'm going to talk about two things. So I might talk about spirit and human and balancing the two. It might be masculine and feminine. It might be doing and being. It might be success and failure. But balance to me, I think we've got the scale version of balance. It's like this. Everything's got to be even. We've got to achieve and honour each one exactly the same, do it all at once, you know, all that sort of thing. I'm a big believer and maybe people are just better than me, but I, I think you can have it all, but I don't think you can have it all all at once. I agree. It just... I haven't been able to work it out. You know, there's been times where I've just had to let balls drop as I dealt with things with four children as a mother. I just had to do that. There's been times now, you know, especially through this book launch process where I've kind of ignored my kids, you know. They're eating a lot more two-minute noodles and bowls of cereal than they probably <laughs> should. So I just don't think you can have it all, all at once. But... And you've got to know who you are and know what you actually want. So I actually look at balance as more of an integration, that spirit and human is meant to be in existence together. Yes. That masculine and feminine can't exist without the other. They are both as valuable and it's an integration that we're searching for, um, doing and being, happiness and sadness. You don't get happy without sometimes being sad. You can't appreciate success without failing, all those sorts of things. So I really look at it more as a dance than a competition. And so that's when I refer to balance is just the honouring of two sides of the same coin yeah. that and that I don't you know um, I found in this personal development or spiritual world at the moment there's a little bit of spiritual shaming going on that people might not be evolved enough or someone's ascended and someone else hasn't and all this sort of stuff <laughs> well, they'll focus on money and oh that's too human you know so spiritual people don't focus on that and I'm like oh what a load of garbage the reality is, yes, we're a spirit here having a human experience. We're an energy having a human experience. If the human experience wasn't important, why are we here? Yes. 
100%. We'd stay up there. It'd be a lot easier. Yeah. We, wouldn't, we wouldn't come and go through this. So in actual fact, in some ways, if you want to look at it like that, the human experience, the money, the emotions, the, is more important. Yes. Yeah. You know, so, but, and I, I don't believe, you know, I do believe the spiritual and the energetic and you know me tomorrow, I believe that's very important, but it's this integration. And when two things are integrated, they don't mind when one shines. Yes. They don't, you know, a dance, you see two people dance every now and then one will be standing there not doing very much and one will be doing yeah, the that, thing. But it's the whole performance. It's not it's, you know, focusing on one person or the other. Yeah. yeah. So balance isn't this. Balance isn't about scales that you've got to weigh up and get even and do it all at once. And if you drop this, this is going to change. It's, that's not what I think of balance as. Balance is the beautiful dance that we take through life. Yeah. Love it. So the way that, um, and I totally feel like our perceptions, you know, the word balance means very different things to us. Absolutely. The underlying philosophy is very much the same because, um, you know, I know for me, I was always trying to, you know, focus on my business, but then I'd have this shame and this guilt because I wasn't spending as much time nourishing my friendships. And then I'd be nourishing my friendships and then I'd be feeling guilty that, I wasn't spending as much time, you know, taking my son to like soft play and swimming lessons and all of this fun stuff. And I was like, oh, I can't get this balance thing right until I realized that it's not balance that I'm searching for. For me, it's not a, um, a struggle of balance that people have. It's a, um, a challenge with setting boundaries. So as you were saying, we can only focus our energy on one or two things at once. It's, it's unrealistic for us to think that I can be nailing my business and nailing mum life and nailing my relationships and all of these things, maybe, yeah, for short periods, but that's not sustainable. It's just simply not. There are going to be times when I'm really focused on my business. I've got an upcoming program launching and I'm really, you know, doing lots of calls, doing lots of, um, you know, free events, things like that to plug that. And yeah, my relationships may have to take a little bit of a backseat in that one. I'm not going to be hanging out with my friends as freely and as um, lightly as maybe I was previously. But that's where boundaries come in and honouring where your values are at at every moment. So if in one moment, and this can change from day to day, if in one, one moment my value is my son. So I'm really wanting to, you know, spend a lot of quality time with him because I've missed him. This is very real for me at the moment. So I've set a lot of boundaries around our relationship. So now I've set boundaries that Monday and Wednesday, I do absolutely zero business work. And the reason for that is because that now is my focus. That's where I want my energy to flow. So my boundaries are not, you know, if someone says to me, oh, I can only do a coaching call on a Monday, I'll say, I'm sorry, I'm not available on a Monday. Whereas previously I'd go, oh yeah, okay, I'll fit you in on this time. And then not only would I be feeling guilty to them because I know I want to be with my son, but I'd be feeling guilty about my son because I'm not with him. And, um, you know, about a month ago, it was the complete opposite. You know, Xander sort of had to take a back seat because I was really going through a big building phase within my business, launching these programs, getting lots of, I had a few free programs running and that sort of thing. So that was consuming a lot of my energy and, you know, still present and here with him, but you know, there were some days where I would leave him home with my housework with my housemate because I'd be like, sorry, sorry, babe, mum's got to go do some stuff. And, yeah. and that's okay. And, and not judging yourself and honoring those different times of your life, but having really clear boundaries around what's important. So I knew my business was important. So I'd have to say no to friends wanting to just go and chill at the beach to, you know, friends wanting to have an extra 
extra long gym session, I'd have to say, look, I'm available between 8.30 and 9.30 and I have to leave at 9.30 because I've got stuff I've got to do. So, um, yeah, I think, I think when it comes to achieving this thing called balance, that if you don't have clear boundaries in place, if you don't know what it is that you value there and then and why you're doing what you're doing, then um, that's when guilt and shame starts to come up and we, we judge ourselves. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, if you've honoured that person, that other thing, whatever, you know, it might be a business, it might be a son, whatever, if you've honoured them in the dance, they actually don't mind that you're now doing a bit with something else because exactly. you've honoured them in their time. Exactly. The other thing that I've really found... Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I have really found is that the more I'm connected to me on this fairly physical level, the more I know about me the less I need to focus on my boundaries because I kind of just know what's right for me. Yeah, yeah. So it, I don't even really set boundaries anymore because it's just like I check in. Yeah. Okay? And I, whereas I needed really firm boundaries before and I know that, you know, when I didn't have them, I would give too much in certain ways and, and all that sort of thing, exactly what you're talking about. But um, the more connected I am, which for me has happened since Get to Know You, but the more connected I am, the even though I know I have them, the less I focus on boundaries because I just know. Automatically anyway. Yeah. yeah, I trust my yes and no. I trust that's going to serve me and that isn't because I'm connected enough to me. Plus, I know now because I've done the dance and I've integrated it, I've honoured my children enough that when I need to do this, they're all right. Yeah. And they will, you know, I've honoured my relationship. And I love them and they're not feeling neglected and all of this stuff. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. I love that. Well, thank you so much for jumping on this podcast with me. It's been such a pleasure chatting and I know people are getting so much value out of this. So thank you so much, Jodie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honour to be here. And as I said, just such a pleasure to watch your journey. Keep going and let it go wherever it needs to go. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm very grateful to have people like yourself in my corner cheering me on. So thank you. Well, I think we're both fortunate. <laughs> um, if anyone wants to find you on any social media, obviously we've got your website that I will put in the show notes, but can they find you anywhere on social media that you would like to direct anyone to? Yes, yeah, so um, Instagram, which I'm not fabulous with, is Jody Reeves Life. Um, Facebook is Jody Reeves, so there, there is a public page there as well, just under Jody Reeves. So, yep, Facebook, Instagram. I'm trying LinkedIn, but I'm not great on it. <laughs> it will all grow, it'll all happen. It will. It's this balance thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jodie, and hope everyone has a fantastic day. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye.